This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed in this episode are not to be construed as medical advice. Welcome to Demystify Beauty, a weekly podcast about creating transparency in the beauty space. I'm Mackenzie Westmore. And I'm Dr. Paul Nass. Hello, Ms. McKenzie. Hello, Mr. Nassif. How are you? Well, um, I'm doing great, but especially, you know, I got my labs back. I know. I heard. And I know that we have some, uh, you know, we have good old Edward and Michael back. and we, I'm sure they're going to have someone with them to talk about this. But, you know, I mean, I'm pretty good with a lot of the anti-aging stuff and also myself. But it's going to be interesting because, remember, this was part two. Yes. With Evolve. So this is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. So with that, I would love to introduce our guests. We have Edward, Michael, and Dr. Vianueva from Evolve Anti-Aging. And I am so excited because Dr. Nassif, as you know, I did this blood test with my intolerances and everything. So I've had my results for a while and I'm so curious to hear what yours turned out to be. So oh, gentlemen. That's right, because yeah, the intolerance about the other, about food and all that stuff. Yeah. I want to hear all that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Good seeing both of you again. Uh, thanks for having us again. Um, and we're welcoming Dr. Dr. Vianueva. He's our medical director. So uh, he's he's the brains behind all this. He he gives us all the tutelage and what direction to go in. And, and really excited to have him on the podcast and, and see you guys as well. Awesome to have you all here. Hey, tell me, guys, when you talk about this is good for the audience to know. When you talk about a medical director, can you explain what Dr. Villanueva does? I actually have known these uh, Ed, Edward and uh, and Michael for I imagine 15 years, 10, 15 years, through different uh, venues. And uh, when the idea of creating this uh, clinic came up, we got together and uh, decided to do it. And uh, my role primarily is. Um, help in the selection of programs and services that are delivered along with them to make sure that we do it as close to scientific as possible and we keep it as safe as possible. We want to help uh, the clients in their specific, let's say, hormonal needs, but we have a very intense uh, uh, scrutiny of all the comorbidities that they may bring with them and we help in uh, sending them out to their physicians. Uh, and, and we have picked up many significant uh, conditions, uh, a patient almost in diabetic coma, uh, significant wow. electrolyte imbalances, a number of things that uh, are, uh, need additional care. So basically what we do, is, what I do is we organize, talk, get together, as my, uh, Edward said, once a year, uh, at least face-to-face, uh, -face, and then we're constantly on the phone. I consult uh, with on the phone with, um, oh, maybe 10, 15 patients a day um, that uh, they want a confirmation of their plan and their idea. So I give um, the uh, medical end of the uh, of the equation, let's say. Hey, what what um what is your uh, training? I was an obstetrician gynecologist with a uh, postdoctoral fellowship in reproductive endocrinology. As you know, it's one of the three subspecialties of OBGYN. OBGYN. Yeah, can GYN cancer, high uh, risk obstetrics, and reproductive endocrinology and infertility. And I, you know, I've been around, I look very young, but I've been around many, many uh, years. And I did uh, 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 advanced reproductive techniques. I continue doing that. I'm in a fertility clinic here in La Jolla. And, uh, but many of my patients uh, started getting old with me. And so <laughs> the, 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 the third leg of reproductive endocrinology, that post-reproductive years, their needs and their uh, it became uh, a menopause clinic, an andropause clinic, if you can call it like that. And uh, we focus in uh, assisting people with uh, hormone supplementations and uh, 
whatever they need in, in their uh, 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 post-reproductive years. And uh, I was in the uh, faculty at the medical school here at UCSD for a few years. Hmm. And then I've been in private practice for many years as well. Uh, we, had in, we have in vitro fertilization program and uh, take care of patients with all kinds of uh, fertility needs as well. Dr. Dr. Villanueva was a little modest. Uh, he was actually the first uh, mm-hmm. physician in California to successfully do an IVF transfer. So he's, uh, he's one of the pioneers when it comes to infertility. Yep. Oh, almost. Uh, the, the first pregnancy was, of course, in Great Britain uh, in 1979. The first pregnancy in the United States was in 1981 in, in Norfolk, Virginia. And the, uh, um, we, did, we had our first pregnancy here in San Diego in 1981. And uh, it was, a, at that time, very, you know, very very newsworthy and um, wow you know that of course the, the field has advanced significantly especially out here I have a lot of uh, my medical school colleagues that went into this you know they love it and especially you know a lot of them got into the business of the whole you know the storage that's a whole interesting thing the storage of the eggs yeah of the embryos everything you know another uh, that when I first started learning about reproductive medicine and also the hormones and all that, there was a doctor locally in Beverly Hills that was doing it who got into this whole anti-aging concept of medicine, Uzi Rice, years ago. And then, um, then another friend of mine, I mean, you know, Richard Mars? Yeah, Richard was a good friend of mine too, who's, or he has, I haven't seen him in a while. But, um, this whole reproductive medicine aspect and especially the hormonal aspect is mm-hmm. uh, huge. And I know that you have to really learn a lot about that because you know a lot about the whole reproductive system and, and all the hormonal imbalances and stuff. So that's great. How did you, now, how did you guys fuck up you know, with um, Dr. Villain the Wave? So, other, so the, the family business is uh, medical practice management and billing. And we had the pleasure of having Dr. Villanueva as one of our clients. And uh, with us being managers of that, of that family business, we uh, developed a relationship with, with the doctor. Um, especially we, would, we would take turns going down to La Jolla to, to service his needs because oh, La Jolla, yeah. it's, it's a little beautiful down there. So yeah, it is beautiful down there. Yeah, it we, is. We, we competed to, to go down there. So, and from that, we... <laughs> We developed a very strong uh, business and personal friendship with, with uh, Dr. Villanueva. And um, I believe it was Edward that had the idea to say, hey, you know, we're on testosterone. We're getting it from a, from a place that we're not really being treated well. And since we understand the back end of medical and doctor is so familiar with hormones, reproductive hormones, we, Edward, pitched it to the doctor and then you know, usually when, when you pitch an idea, you're like, okay, I'll, maybe I'll hear back, maybe I won't. And it was an immediate, okay, let's do it. So now, wow. now depression's on us. Okay, now we got to get started. So <laughs> it was. I hope, I hope this kind of warms now. I got to <laughs> deliver. So, which is, it's been a great, it's been a great journey. So, um, our, our background in starting off the clinic, we opened in October 2019. Of course, COVID hit. Um, but luckily when we applied for licensing, we also applied for, um, laboratory licensing. So when COVID hit, we had a brand new laboratory ready to go. So to shift from, you know, from, from hormonal and then uh, standard blood work to going and doing COVID testing was, was quite easy shift. And, and that's how, um, you know, we, we, we were very blessed and very lucky to do all that. And then again, once COVID kind of died down, we, stepped into what we originally wanted to do, which was the anti-aging, the hormone replacement. And, and uh, the, this is why we're, we're really excited about, you know, sharing your results, Dr. Nassif, um, and, and going over them, because there's some really interesting things here that I would love to, to get into with you. But you know what's interesting? A lot of on, on these podcasts, I'm going to make this judgment on this podcast, especially talking about beauty, you know, a lot of the shall we say, a lack of, you know, the males aren't going to be listening to, in general, this podcast, in, in general, a small percentage, more female than male. 
or whatever gender fluid aspect that we want to, you know, mention that be reading this, but they're listening to this. But what's great about today is because I have so many friends that are always asking about hormones, especially testosterone, taking the, um, the estrogen blockers, everything. And so this would be the podcast for all my buddies out there that are always asking about getting on some tests. Are they too young and blah, 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 and everything. Uh, this is a great one for them to listen to. So just to let everyone recap, you guys uh, sent a wonderful lady over to my house when I was fasting and um, took my blood. And our goal was to learn um, took all types of my blood for all different types of testing. So since you guys are the expert and I'm going to act like I, I am the patient and you were doing a consult and, you know, I'm on a little bit of, I'm going to say that's okay because I'm 61. I'm on a little bit of test. Dr. Ness, if I'm too. Yeah, Women need testosterone too. You know, there we go. I, I remember we, we talked about that last time. Yeah. So uh, anyway. So go ahead. I want to have you guys start just like we're sitting here as the, you know, the, the patient. What would you do with these results? Sure. Um, so as, as you, you mentioned, we did quite a few different results, uh, lab testing. We did hormonal testing, baseline testing, things that we do in-house. We also did something where we send out to specialty laboratories for your food sensitivity and inflammation testing as well. Uh, but just to touch base, um, Dr. Villanueva has his clinic down in La Jolla. And it's interesting, down in La Jolla, uh, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. V, uh, your patient mix is around 70% female, 30% male, whereas here in Encino, in, in the patient mix here is closer to that 70-30 reversed. So huh. we have more males than females. So just to give you a little bit of insight, it's even though most people think, oh, testosterone is for men only, it, absolutely it's not. It's not. As you can see, Mackenzie's on it as well. <laughs> yes, you're, you're so, right. I have, I have a more female, maybe because of my... Uh, past history of uh, being an obstetrician gynecologist I've been years here. But uh, that's that's indeed the, uh, the, 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 the separation between uh, males and females is 70-30 more than So um, I'm going to share my screen. That way we can go into Dr. Nassif's blood <laughs> results. Can everybody see this here okay? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. So we're going to start off, Dr. Nassif, with your methylation detox profile. Okay, so the methylation detox, this is essentially we're looking at five genes that were um, uh, that were given from your parents, from both sides of your parents, from, from your mom and your dad. Um, anything that's green, that means that that specific gene, there is no uh, there's no mutation in that gene. Uh, if you see yellow where you see the MTHFR and the MTRR, there is one of the mutations from one of the parents. And this is where it's like, it's not necessarily 100% you're going to be having these issues, but you could be predisposed for these certain issues that are going to be coming up. And then uh, we have something where it's, if it's red in color, then uh, it's from both parents that gave this, this, uh, this gene um, this, uh, that can potentially have more of a, a, a risk of having these, um, these different uh, issues that are coming up. And what are the issues? Some of them are the methylation of DNA, neurotransmitter, uh, xenobotics, um, and, and uh, other things of this nature. So go and to start off with the MTHFR. So your MTHFR, it really affects um, your uh, homocysteine levels, okay? Um, both with MTHFR and MTRR. Uh, so if you come down to this section right here, it'll give you uh, more detailed information of uh, how you can protect yourself and how you can protect your, uh, your yourself from, from having these homocysteine issues. And, and we all know that homocysteine has to do with cardiovascular health, um, with, uh, with your uh, cardiovascular system as well. Um, if you take a look uh, at your homocysteine panel, we have it here, you came back at 11.6. Now, it's still considered a normal range, uh, but it definitely is on the higher end of that normal range. We love to see this around the seven to eight um, uh, rating uh, as far as the uh, the ranges goes. Um, so taking a look at what are the things that you can um, implement as far as foods and different types of vitamins to help you with these homocysteine levels, we're taking a look right here is uh, B12. B12 is a really good way to um, um, make sure that you're, you're protected with your MTRR. 
uh, cofactors, river and magnesium, zinc. These are all um, vitamins and nutrients that uh, will help you with your MT MTHFR and MTRR. If we go into the next slide, which is your cellular micronutrient assay, this is actually taking a look at your specific vitamin profile and how well your um, your body is absorbing these these vitamins. And as you can see, whatever you're doing, Dr. Nassif, you're doing great because we're looking at your B12, we're looking at your B2, B3, B6, all the ones that I, I mentioned earlier uh, in regarding to your homocysteine levels, you're doing everything correct. So continue what you're doing, okay? Now, Dr. Nassif, by the way, we both do not make biotin. Well, I have biotin gummies now. I'm sure you guys have some. That's one of my new products, <laughs> biotin. <laughs> but it's, I just so, think it's ironic. The one thing we don't make, <laughs> are we related go. somehow? <laughs> we must be. We must be. <laughs> okay. So coming back to the vitamin profile. So um, as you can see, we have uh, some of these vitamins uh, and nutrients and amino acids that uh, are, are needed within your, uh, within your system, within your bloodstream. Uh, and the severity of this, it really de depends on how much you need it. For instance, your biotin is 140% insufficient. Uh, and the way we find this information out is, is not to get too technical and too scientific, but we take your whole blood and we take out the lymphocytes and we introduce biotin to these lymphocytes and we measure the reaction. Um, re regarding what that reaction shows, it tells us how much of an insufficiency do you have. Uh, and what's great about, you know, these reports, and this comes with, you know, everybody's blood work that we do in-house, is it'll give you uh, an update of what are these micronutrients, what are they for, and what do they, what do they help with? Um, one thing that brought up to my attention that is very interesting for me and, and to take a look at your, um, uh, your levels, Dr. Uh, Nassif, is your biotin. Okay, so it helps the, you know, proteins uh, turning fat into energy, which, you know, everybody knows this, health and skin and nails, everything is, is really good. But this thing right here, it says diabetes. Diabetes, when, this, when I saw this, I said, wait a minute, this, and this is the reason why we do um, a lot of blood tests in-house. We took a look at your hemoglobin A1C, and you are at the very, 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 very beginning of prediabetes. So I have a high hemoglobin A1C. And I've been on menformin now for about uh, five, six years. So that wow. has always been pretty high for me. Okay. So this, this might be a really good option to maybe um, increase your biotin intake. You did say you're supplementing with biotin. Uh, potentially, you could be supplementing with more to... Yeah, you know... I actually, I, I'm not yet, have not, but I have the gummies. We just released them. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to start taking more biotin there after this discussion. Okay, that's great. That's, that's really good. Overall, your vitamin profile it looks very, very good. I'm very happy with what I'm seeing. So I think there's a, a few tweaks that need to be made here and there, and, and you can really um, you know, improve and, and, and elevate your, your overall health. May, um, may make a quick comment? If, yes. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, hemoglobin A1C in the borderline as it is, and having been on metformin for a few years, it would be uh, an opportunity for Paul, to consider semiglutide. One of yeah. the main effects of uh, huh. semiglutide will be to lower the hemoglobin A1C. So I'm just throwing it in there. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, I'll tell you one thing, though. I tried that originally, you know, before everyone was going crazy or trying to lose weight with it. Tried it six years ago. And I forgot which one I tried, but... I, I was never so nauseated in my entire life. So I don't know if there's one that's not, you know, as nauseated, but I actually, God, I remember I was operating uh, and I actually threw up immediately. I was throwing up left and right. Oh my God. Yeah. It okay. could be a matter of dosage. And, and also, uh, I believe that we have two uh, GLP uh, products, don't we, mm -hmm. guys? Don't we have some glutide? Yes. Or in, in terms of peptides, we have the tizepatide, which is the, yeah, the compounded gen, uh, generic Zara. It has an incredibly safe profile. And uh, I, we are very, very, very impressed with the success that we get with it. And actually, I would have no, uh, no reservations. You might lose some weight, which you probably don't want to, <laughs> but. Yeah, no, I can, I can always do that. Yeah. The uh, like uh, Gloria Vanderbilt said, you can never be too thin or too rich. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> well, it's something to think about. And you talk with the experts. Those two guys there, they have uh, accumulated experience of semaglutides of uh, many hundreds of patients. You know, I, I hear the ones that are uh, interesting or, or different, but they see patients for semaglutide day in and day out. And uh, what, what is your feeling in regards to side effects, Edward and Michael? This nausea, vomiting, is, how, how common is it? So we've, we've been able to implement something that we call the Bible, the weight loss Bible, or the uh, Ozempic or Semaglutide Bible, which essentially lists the foods that can cause the nausea. One of the aspects of this weight loss medication or uh, GLP-1 agonist is that it slows down the waste process of digestion, meaning the food is gonna be slowing down in the small intestine. Now, foods that are difficult to digest, such as dairy, red meat, fatty foods, heavily. Uh... I mean, I have to tell you, though, I, it's the, for me, it was the product itself that I thought I was on low dose that was getting me really sick. And is there a difference between the two of them that might work for me better? Well, than? I was just going to ask a question. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you guys, it's more of a compound instead of just the um, Wagovi or the uh, Ozempic. Isn't that more what Evolve offers? Um, we do offer both. We can give prescriptions for Ozempic or Mandura. Um, we also have access to the, the compounded versions as well. Uh, six years ago, yeah. um, Semaglutide wasn't really on the radar as it is now. It hasn't right. been or perfected. I know, of, I know six to 10 years ago, they were using more tesafensine, tesamorelin, things like that, that do curb appetite. Um, and those, tesamorelin especially has a lot of side effects, such as nausea, vomiting, and it's, oh. it's on the higher scale to how semaglutide and trisepatide operate now. I feel like it's much more refined, refined nowadays, especially with the data of knowing what to eat and what not to eat, how it affects the pancreas, how it affects your, your metabolism and all those things. Um, and with all the experience that we have with, all, with our patients, we've been able to kind of deduce what's causing the nausea for the vast majority of our patients. And it's typically what they're consuming. Mm. Really? That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so coming back to Dr. Nassif's micronutrient assay. Uh, like I said, there isn't too much that we can um, – there were some things that we could definitely add and, and, and help with, um, but overall this looks very, very good. Um, so what we would do at this point is you know, we would um, consult with the patient, and at that time we would uh, come to a plan and create a bespoke vitamin – uh, based off of the labs that we have so thus far. Um, and there was one more thing that I want to discuss with you as well. This is your food sensitivity test. Now, uh, a lot of people might say, oh, this is a food allergy test. It is not an allergy mm -hmm. test. This is a sensitivity. Uh, so these foods are causing inflammation uh, within Dr. Nassif's uh, blood system, bloodstream. Uh, and we all know that the uh, core of, of pretty much every disease out there uh, is inflammation. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have four sections here, uh, starting from severe, going to moderate, mild, and unacceptable no reaction. So the severe section, uh, it's recommended that you avoid these foods, which is trout and monk fruit, fruit uh, for at least six to nine months. Um, and just keep in mind, Dr. Nassif, I don't know if you are doing any type of keto or ketogenesis type of um, diets. Uh, monk fruit is a very commonly known uh, uh, sugar replacement. So they're not using like high fructose corn syrup or they're not using the grain, grain sugar. Monk fruit is being used to sweeten certain um, yes, dietary you know, wow. bakes. Yeah, so keep in mind with that. Uh, it's causing severe inflammation for you. And typically we see anywhere from, you know, one to two, all the way up to five or six items in the severe. The majority of it is either going to be the moderate or the mild. So in the moderate section here, again, not it's, it's I've seen way worse. Mine's is a lot worse than this. Um, but there are certain things that you should definitely avoid for at least three to six months. Um, uh, like agave, almonds, um, you know, apricot, arrowroot, I uh, think... Any, any of these foods that you see in the moderate list, are, are you consistently or do you, have you been having it for, for, um, on a consistent basis? Well, I'm, I'm looking here. I'm looking down on this one. Iceberg lettuce. Mm -hmm. um, I just came back from back east and I had a lot of lobster. 
Mm -hmm. I'm writing these things down too. Um, now, is that turkey? Yeah, it's turkey. Turkey. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I eat a good amount of turkey. Okay. See, that was so me, and I had the same thing, and I had to back off. I, I stopped eating as much turkey. So um, this is a great, great, great uh, question I can ask. Um, Mackenzie, how yeah. do you feel? You've been, how long have you been doing your, your diet now, your, your um, food sensitivity diet? How long have you been? Um, uh, so it's taking... been a couple, what, a couple months now? And mm -hmm. obviously there are days where, you know, I'm not fully on top of it, but here's what I noticed. Today is a great example. Uh, last night I had QVC, um, did not have time to get dinner going. So ended up having a meal of a bunch of bread and brie because that's what we had in the house. I woke up today so sick to my stomach because I know on my list there is a dairy intolerance so with my intolerance, I'm looking at it right now. Um, I know that milks, casein, whey, um, gluten, um, uh, those, those were some of the things for me that, well, not gluten, but so those were, were the, the, the uh, dairies were some of my intolerances, like high intolerance. And I woke up today thinking, oh my God, am I sick? You know, I've got this horrible stomach ache. And before we started the podcast, I, I, took a bunch of Tums and touch wood, I'm okay now. But this is a great example where it clicked in my head, well, duh, I'm getting on with Evolve. And here we're talking about Dr. Nassif's intolerances. This has got to be what's doing it because now I'm, I'm feeling much better. So I do find that when I eat the things that are on my no-no list is what I call it, um, I don't have a great day. And when I, when I stick to this list, I feel on top of the world. I sleep great. I don't have stomach aches. I can work out. I feel fine. And imagine, imagine all the Americans that, and all the people in the world that aren't aware of this kind of testing, that they have this inflammatory response. Yeah. And they just think that's the way it is. And they've accepted it. And they don't know that this kind of technology and testing exists where we can reduce the inflammation. And they're going to feel kind of weird feeling better. Is a lot of people are struggling with inflammation. Was milk on my list? Where? Where? Where is milk? Uh, yeah. Let's take a it's look. Down I'm the gonna bottom. bring it up again. So, if we take a look at the bottom of the list, we're gonna see that um, yeah, see, you have my... no reaction for to casein or whey. So everything here looks good, but you do have a a, a decent reaction to gluten, um, Doctor Nassif. Uh, how do you how do you typically generally feel after you have gluten? Are you trying to have a gluten free diet? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just average after gluten, so I noticed okay. that, and also, um, I have some sensitivities to also lactose. Is that what mm -hmm. that is? So um, it's not a lactose insensitivity uh, um, test. It's more of if it's causing any inflammation. So as of your, you know, we again we take your your leukocytes and we in, introduce um, casein, whey, and lactose into uh, the um, uh, the, the, the mix here, casein and whey are in the green. You're okay. Lactose, you do have a little bit of inflammation, but it's nothing uh, severe like how the barley is on, on the um, uh, on your gluten side, like the bar barley malt spelt wheat. Uh, it's a little bit more sensitive. So um, it's not, like I said, it's not necessarily a lactose um, uh, sensitivity test, but it's more of an intolerance test, right? Got it. Uh, yeah, and then if we come back up to the top of the list, uh, we take a look at the mild list. Now, the mild list, there is some uh, inflammation, but it's not significant enough where to, to take it over to the moderate and severe, and it's still a little bit more than acceptable reaction. So for this, they, they suggest, um, you know, we also suggest is uh, a four-day rotation on these, on these diets. So like, for instance, apples, artichokes, avocado, bananas, beef, um, have this on a four-day rotation, uh, and it'll give you, uh, you know... If you can avoid eating it, even better. But you know, it's a big list, so yeah, um, it's it's going to be tough to avoid, you know, e avoiding all these foods. Um, and then if we come into the next page, it'll give us the tests, explain the color and the and the coding for it. And then the page after this, it'll give us a four day rot rotational diet. So uh, day one, it'll give you you know uh, what what greens and starches, vegetables, fruits, uh, proteins that you can have. Uh, and then it'll give you a, a four-day rotation. As you can see here, beef with the asterisks on it and the bison with the asterisks on it, uh, it's on a uh, certain rotation where you're, you should be having once every four days. You won't see it again until the fourth day again for these proteins. Okay. 
Got it. Yeah, and then this is again some more information about the different foods and and what they what you can expect from them. And coming down, what we also do is something called a chemical and mold test, where it'll give you more detailed information. For instance, um, I don't know if you you take a lot of pain relievers, but if you take a look here, the uh, this is Tylenol, aspirin, ibuprofen. Um, these are all pain relievers, and a lot of people will take this for inflammation. They'll say, "Oh, I need to take a you know aspirin because I'm inflamed. I have my joints hurt." Well. Um, it's very possible that you take this, you know, aspirin, ibuprofen, acetaminophen for your joint pain. It'll cause more joint pain. Wow. So this is very, very interesting to have um, all of these. You Typically, we see one or two in the, in the moderate or in the severe. You have, you have all of them in the severe. So are the moderate. Yeah, I, I do take baby aspirin. Okay. In one milligrams, you know, cardiac yeah. ones. Yeah. And I'll take a little acetaminophen once in a while, but thank God my bad. But I do take the baby aspirin. Yeah, this is yeah, this is good information. So if you ever you know take it and or maybe overdo it, take a little bit more than you're supposed to, you might have that reaction of you know I'm feeling more inflamed, I'm feeling joint pain, I'm feeling um, you know uh, different different items that you're feeling. Um, and these are the uh, functional foods and medicinal herbs tests as well. So a lot of people will say, oh, I'm going to take my antioxidants because it makes me feel better. Well, uh. <laughs> these antioxidants could be working against you. So uh, we, we've been hearing a lot of good things about mushrooms lately. Um, this specific mushroom, Mitake mushroom, is actually a moderate um, uh, inflammatory for you. So you got to be careful with that. Um, even with like elderberry, elderberry saying, oh, elderberry is great. It is, absolutely. But for you, you definitely have to do it on a four-day rotation. You can't take it every day or every other day even. Um, and, the, and the idea, ashkawanda is another very, very popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the idea is this, when you have things that are in the severe and moderate and the mild, when you avoid eating these foods, essentially what you're doing is you're allowing your gut biome to heal. It's like a scab. The more you pick at it, the, the less it's going to heal and the longer it's going to take to heal. So by removing these foods, it's not a forever thing. It's more of a let's let the inflammation go down uh, before you start reintroducing these foods. Okay. So I think yeah. I want to have you guys do my wife too. Okay. She needs this. She has some abdominal issues, but so that's yep. the food. Yep. And the vitamins. And actually, um, that's something I then I, I kind of really got to, I, I haven't really paid that much attention to the food until I got on with you guys. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You'll find you will start paying attention because that's what happened exactly. to me. I, I was like, eh, it can't, come on. It can't be that big a deal. And then when I started falling, I was like, Oh crap! This thing is real. This really does work. But I—I I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I got to be honest. When I first took it, I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> but it's—it's—it's it's, it's very true. There's nobody more skeptical than myself. I'm—I'm a, I'm a big skeptic as well because you, you and I are like, of, yeah. You know, yeah, you see a lot of snake oil salesmen. You know, you see it everywhere. Um, but the way that myself, Michael, and Doctor V, we vet these things is we try it on ourselves first. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've heard this in, in the clinic, uh, Mackenzie. We have something new coming on. We're doing the testing. Mm-hmm. We're the test guinea pigs. And I love that. Yeah. Well, I think what really clicked for me was um, it was you, Michael, where you were constantly getting sick after IV drips. Yeah. And I was, I was like, what's going on with this? Because I was new to the clinic. And I was like, what's going on with this clinic? You know, my business manager sent me here and this guy's getting sick all the time. <laughs> He's getting IVs. But you did this test and you found an intolerance to azorbic acid. Yes. What is that? That's vitamin C. And yeah. go ahead, tell your story because I found that fascinating. Yeah. So my one of my responsibilities, I have face-to-face with our clients every day. I'm seeing 10, 20, 20, 25 people a day. And there's constant exchange of bacteria. And the first of the month, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, I get sick. Yeah. I'm getting sick. I'm feeling tired. I do a drip. And the next day, I can't get out of bed. I'm floored. And I'm constantly trying to figure out what's going on. I'm on testosterone. I'm on our growth hormone secreted dogs. I'm, I'm on everything we have. I'm getting sick. So we did this test, and we did my, my CMA, which is my, the inventory of my cell, my vitamin C as well. It's mm-hmm. 140% insufficient. We did my, um, my, my what is it called, the ALCAT? The Alcat, my ascorbic acid isn't severe, yeah. and in one Crazy. of my one of my other tests, my inflammation, my protective assay, my vitamin C is through the roof. It's one of the most protective assays I have. 
So what that means is every time I was doing a vitamin C drip when I was tired or feeling sluggish, it would create more inflammation in my body. And what, what attacks inflammation? What, what, what does you, how does your body respond to destroy inflammation? You just white blood cells. Right. And what, what creates white blood cells? Vitamin C. So yep. I, was, I was doing more damage than good. Than good. Than the drips and thinking I was doing something right. And just to kind of um, segue into my favorite part about this testing, we get young men in this clinic, early 20s. And they come in with really low testosterone. We run it back to the doctor after our lab gives the results. 175, young man is 22 years old. Doctor says, we need to check for a pituitary tumor. We check it, everything comes out well. We ask about the diet and the diet, it's not the best diet. It's the common 20 year old diet, which is uh, hot Cheetos, Mountain Dew. And <laughs> we do this Alcat test on them and we see all of the things that they're consuming or that that's causing them inflammation and they confirm that they're consuming. We get them off of that food. We wait about six months, they're completely clean from that food. We retest them and their, their body's able to synthesize their hormones again. So their testosterone levels come back up. Their luteinizing hormone, which is a signal from the pituitary to make the testosterone is back up again. We could have had a client for life. It sounds good yeah. for them. No, we wanna fix the issue because it's it's we know something is, it's a deeper problem than just having low amount of testosterone. There's something causing destruction and it's usually inflammation. You know, the the technology is cutting edge. I mean, this Mm -hmm. has been around probably for 10 years at the most or a little bit more than that. Not not a whole lot more than that. And the, uh, I've looked at with some degree of detail, not as much as, uh, because it's it's hard, it's very advanced uh, uh, chemistry. Uh, but it's brilliant, and mm-hmm. uh, and the way that they do this is uh, quite credible. They take the blood like they took uh, from Paul, and then they separate the uh, white blood cells, and then they expose these white blood cells to 500 agents between foods and toxins and amazing and uh, yeah, uh, uh, any other thing that that it's in that list. Then they have a way of observing both visually with a microscope and also with uh, sophisticated measurements like, such as impedance, the electricity running through these cells. And there's changes in size. The, the white blood cells get bigger, get smaller. Eventually they puff up and they break. And when they break, they let out uh, these uh, uh, cellular debris, the mitochondrial debris, uh, cytokines, uh, interleukins, these are, uh, as we know, these are inflammation-causing agents. Mm-hmm. And they they bring uh, a little bit of light uh, in, into the future for all these illnesses and conditions that we have not had a good grasp on. Mm-hmm. Uh, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, eczema, uh, but inflammation is one of, uh, I think Edward said very appropriately, it's at the root of most of these chronic conditions that we deal, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease. And so I, I was very impressed with the with this. And um, actually, then we have the anecdotal experience of people as say, like McKenzie said, I did this, or I think it is worth the effort and it's worth the, uh, the attention that we're paying to it. Well, I agree. just to add, a, add a, my two cents to this, because I know we're down to the wider in regards to time is that number one um, it makes 100% total sense to me especially with the inflammation but then also you know even cortisol levels start to increase mm-hmm. you know I just got back from a vacation and of course I overdid it on everything <laughs> uh, but I but I tell you it was fun uh, <laughs> and uh, thank God wine's not on that but of course that's its own inf- inflammatory aspect but I want to go through this deeply. I want to look at the um, the diet. Um, you also get me get me the you got me the other stuff too, the other labs. And mm-hmm. I want to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm flying about that. I want to talk to you about my wife, Brittany. You know, I've I've been there at the clinic since uh, 2020, and you know, I've I've seen the changes you've all gone through, and you've seen the changes you've helped me go through. 
and, um, you know, all the way from COVID to now hormones and, you know, balancing out my hormones and especially after my surgery and, and, um, you know, all that you've done for me. So I'm, I'm forever grateful for, for finding you and being part of the clinic. And I, I feel, you know, you guys are family now. <laughs> I feel the same. In fact, I changed my, my patch last night. <laughs> I, I keep on top of that. I have my list of when to change my patch. <laughs> and how's, uh, how's treatment coming along, Mackenzie? Are you feeling the effects? Is, are you feeling like the energy and the, the overall wellness of, of the testosterone and the estrogen? I am. Um, and the progesterone. I mean, I, and I think, you know, with everything that, that we're doing together, I think that's probably what's attributing to me sleeping almost nine hours a night <laughs> and good sleep. Not, not just tossing, turning like good, solid sleep and waking up like, wow, let's get the day going. I didn't have that years ago. I feel better now at 46 than I did at 40. It's so funny. I was actually telling somebody not too long ago, I'm 43 and I feel more energetic. I feel more now. I feel better than I was in my twenties. Yeah, I was in my twenties. Oh, hell so yeah! It's, it's life changing for me, at least. And the same for me. You know, my forties, I feel way better than I did in my twenties. I have more energy, more, more. You know, pep in my step, more spunk. So, it, this, this oh, the hormones affected our lives so much that we might change my career completely, completely to to open up this clinic with my brother and and. Um, Dr. V, because it's it, that's how much of an effect it had on, on our lives, both of our lives. You know, Dr. Ness, if we, you and I haven't talked about this, but you know, I did because I didn't want to go into the whole um, dealing with anything that, that women can deal with. So I, I do have the progesterone, I have the estradiol patch, and I do shoot my testosterone every two weeks. And balancing out my hormones like that, I was we were just talking about it. I feel better than I did in my 20s. I mean, now that I'm balanced, I feel I'm not biting everybody's head off. I'm happy. I'm sleeping solid and not just like tossing, turning like a solid eight to nine hours a night. I, I can say that, you know, the, of all the uh, this done in all my years, you know, in vitro fertilization was a great step forward, but adequate, good, safe, Hormone supplementation Safe. for men and women at this age or in the 40s and up, it's the most uh, satisfying thing that I've done in a long time. And, and at times I put it next to uh, vaccines, uh, penicillin. You know, you do surgeries, and when you we do surgery, instant su success. But you don't see that in in, in 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 medicine, in clinical medicine. You need to, uh, and, and you know, you're treating uh, cirrhosis or depression, and that's a lifelong uh, step by step. You, somebody, a woman or a man comes into the office with a horrible history and unhappy and weak and uh, anxious and no sex drive, and, and in a week we can tell them you're going to start feeling the benefits and. In no time, it's it's a different uh, person. I, I hear this all the time. Yeah. Well, with that, let's hear what you guys have to say. All right. So let me share my handy-dandy screen once again. So, Dr. Nassif, um, to get a little personal, uh, you did mention that you're on testosterone, which is uh, great. It's phenomenal. Now, my question to you is, what is your dose? Excuse me. What is your dose? Um, what's the delivery mechanism? And how often are you dosing? maybe 25 milligrams on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay. Uh, Sub-Q. Okay. My hip. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. when I get on a little bit, when I, you know, I start getting a little agitated mm -hmm. and the temper goes up a little bit and um, that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, okay. And I don't know, I can't see there, but do you have, is there free testosterone there too? Did you guys measure that only? Free testosterone is send out. It's not something we do in house. Um, for us, the more important is the total testosterone, the testosterone being used, because um, as you know, this free testosterone doesn't really do much. It's just floated around in the in the bloodstream. Yeah. Um, 
so, but for the total testosterone, you're at 501.57. So um, if you're microdosing, which you are, uh, which I personally prefer microdosing as well, <clears throat> um, this is what your average is going to be around that 500 nanograms per deciliter. Now, you know, going towards the AMA guidelines, Dr. Villanueva, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this is still in the normal range. It's, it's t perfectly normal. It's totally fine. Um, you're not too high. You're not too low. It's right in the middle. Uh, there is a, a, a fellow by the name of Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler that I follow, um, and I've, uh, he's done extensive research regarding what that low number should be. Uh, he's a um, Harvard Medical uh, uh, professor, and he thinks the low number for testosterone should be 450 to 500, meaning that, P, uh, that males show symptoms of low testosterone in the four to 500 range. So... Huh. With that information, I personally, you know, if you were under our guidance of care and you came and said, hey, you know what, um, I'm at, you know, I feel fine. Everything is okay. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. You could definitely go up to 800, 900 to 1,000 nanograms per, milli, uh, per milliliter, a uh, deciliter, excuse me. Um, and, and that's where, personally, that's where I'm at. I'm averaging around 950 to 1,000 uh, at this current time. Wow. Um, Dr. B, any, any of your uh, insight? Oh, that's excellent. Actually, we hadn't talked about Abraham Morgenthaler. He's a, one of the pioneers in the testosterone uh, studies. I believe that we see the best with uh, six to 800 probably is, uh, is a reasonable average. If you inject once a week or uh, every two weeks, you may have one measurement of 500 but one week after the shot, and right after the shot, it goes up to 1,000. Mm. Those peaks and valleys are good. And that's where they f you feel your best. Just because of our, our timing here, let me ask one more quick question. Thank you for that information. But when do we, for men, but when do we start talking about the increase of cardiovascular disease for men on, on testosterone? Mm. That is a very, very controversial and uh, often uh, uh, abused uh, statement. I think that there was one study coming out of VA with a very small number of, of very old guys, very sick with uh, all kinds of illnesses, comorbidities, and uh, it is not, not reliable. It's not well done. The dosage is not known, the, how it, uh, what comorbidities they had. They were not being treated uh, with testosterone. They just used, used them for, uh, for the study. And that's the only area that, uh, that cardiologists will always focus on. And they'll say, no, there is a risk of uh, cardiovascular disease. There is no, uh, as, as a group, as a population group, men receiving testosterone have lower morbidities and lower mortality than the men not receiving it. Wow. Yeah, and they, uh, another myth, and, and you that mentioned Abraham Morgan Tyler, and I often uh, look into his work because he is a very prolific writer, as Edward says, out of Boston, and he's written about everything. Prostate is another concern. Oh my mm -hmm. God, I'm gonna give prostate cancer. No, it's exactly the opposite. Men with low testosterone as a group tend to have higher incidence of prostate cancer. And uh, mm -hmm. there is no demonstrable uh, negative effect of uh, testosterone in, 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 the, uh, in the prostate. There is no uh, demonstrable effect on the cardiovascular system. I just, in order to uh, protect the potential liability, I say to the guys, if somebody is very old, you know, if it's more than 75 or 80, and has a number of cardiovascular risks, history, cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, cigarette smoking, well, maybe it's not an ideal candidate to give them testosterone, because mm. uh, there is a possibility that something bad is going to happen. And then you have to deal with the liability. Mm. But the, the literature is actually more on the side of protective and beneficial than negative and dangerous. 
<laughs> you mentioned Paul the uh, the changing character and uh, and behavior. Uh, am I going to be a uh, uh, road raging? I'm going to be uh, angry at people. Well, they they as I said, one of my uh, the purpose of my being in in this clinic is I look into the scientific end of this and. There is a very, very excellent article, very well designed, uh, with enormous statistical uh, uh, heaviness, that took low, medium, and high-level uh, dosages of testosterone in men and women, and compare them with uh, placebos, prospective, double-blind. Uh, and here's where the crux comes. Uh, well, I think that I feel a little bit more angry. No, 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 no. Sit down every month with a psychologist and do a psychometric testing so you can get a quantitative answer. Is he or she more angry or more uh, nervous or whatever than the guy on the placebo? And the answer is no. There is no significant difference in character change, behavior, and uh, emotions in men or women receiving. So, I, as you can see, you go to a tailor and you get a suit. <laughs> you, you come to me and I'll, I'll give you all the, uh, the, the, the virtues of, uh, of testosterone supplementation and estrogen for that matter. So yeah, so just, just to wrap this up, one thing that I really want to point out is I know anybody that might be watching or listening, they might be thinking, well, this is just a blood test for the stars, or this is a blood test that is unattainable for people. But you guys do this for everybody, all walks of life, across the country. This is something where if somebody's in New York even, they can access this with you. They don't have to be in Los Angeles to do this. So I just want to point that out that this is testing that is available to everyone. Just call Evolve Anti-Aging and you'll be able to get in touch with this amazing cutting edge blood work. And, you know, you guys, if you would just want to tell everybody where they can reach you. Uh, it's uh, EvolveAntiAgingAndWellness.com. I believe that's our website. Oh, let, me, let me double check that. <laughs> Evolve, Evolve Anti-Aging. There we go. EvolveAntiAging.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, um, and if you're in Los Angeles, we'd love to have you come by. Um, we have relationships with uh, laboratories around the nation. So if you were in New York, you can stop by one of the laboratories, get your blood drawn. Dr. Villanueva will analyze it. We'll all have a conversation with you. And we'll get everything started. I love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. You're just such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, this was great. I want to thank you guys, like I said, to the point where I need to offline to finish this up. Because, you know, yep. we, yeah, I, I got to pick your brains a lot more. And I'm going <laughs> to thank you guys for that. And again, EvolveAntiAging.com. And um, again, hormones, vitamins, minerals, all that. Uh, Everything. You know, from you guys. And Mackenzie, if they want to find you, where again is the... M. Westmore. And I just joined Threads. So you can find me there too now. <laughs> well, I, gotta, I don't even know what that even is. I'll fill um, you in. <laughs> And mine's Dr. Paul Manson. Everyone, thank you again, and we'll see you all next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Demystify Beauty, produced by Gotham Production Studios. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram at demystifybeauty or email us at demystifybeauty at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. See you next time.